comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Welcome to the really big show. We're in our usual motley assortment of malcontents, curmudgeons, and pundits from the HHW LOD Network. Talk pop culture, movies, TV, video games, and ever so much more. It's the really big show, or as we refer to it, Really BS. And now, let's start the show. Happy New Year, everybody. It's the really big show for January 2014. Believe it or not, where are the flying cars, gentlemen? Where are the flying cars? I choose not to believe it. How's that? I would settle for my giant house in the sky, like on the Jetsons. Yeah, house in the sky... Flying cars. It's always fun to read, um, you know, pieces that came out in the 70s predicting, you know, 2010 or 2020, what it would be like. Um, robot servants, I think. <laughs> At least. I don't, I don't want that to happen. That's creepy, <laughs> and we all know they'll take over eventually. Yes. Asimov is dead, so he can't enforce his three laws. The singularity starts with Facebook. Ugh. <laughs> but, so this is John. I have uh, with me. I'm happy to be back two in a row. Two, yeah. uh, two really big shows in a row for me. So that's cool. And uh, Jim and Russell are with me. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Not New Year's. Everybody gets angry when you say Happy New Year's or you type it with an S. Yes. Uh, happy New Year. Same to you, Guys. sir. And to you, and uh, it's kind of cool to be kicking it with the OGs of the LOD here, you know, and we're like the 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 originals that are still around. So it's kind of interesting, yeah. you know. We, kids aren't around, <laughs> <laughs> you know. We got the place to ourselves. We can just talk some. Uh, Jordan some worked one job and got tired. Yeah. yeah, I need to sleep, guys. Man, I didn't sleep through my whole twenties, man. <laughs> and when I turn, finally, when I turned like twenty nine, I took a nap. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to rag on Jordan for needing sleep. No, we love Jordan. No, Happy New Year, thanks, Jordan. Jordan. Happy New Year. We got a lot of BS to get through, though. Where do you guys want to start? Yeah, you know what? If I may be so bold, I would like to start with my Christmas gifts. By all means. Bold away, sir. Because um, my entire family, basically uh, all the people that would gift for me, uh teamed up and I basically got two gifts and I am totally fine with the two gifts that I got. Uh, I would like to start with the Breaking Bad barrel. Awesome. Oh, they got, I didn't know they got you that. Wow. Yes. Oh, man, that's um, awesome. It is awesome. And Russ and I spoke a little bit about this, uh, I don't know, on email or email chat or, or whatever. Uh, the deluxe sets are getting cooler. Um. Back in the day when they showed you an awesome Terminator head for the Terminator 2 release, when you looked at the actual Terminator head in person, it was crappy, 
cheap plastic and much smaller than you thought. Um, and I think that happened with the original Blade Runner briefcase was kind of yeah. a crappy yeah. deal. Um, and now we're getting really cool deluxe sets. And like, you know, when you think of the Marvel Phase 1, which I know the, the Marvel Phase 1 is a bit of its own uh, entity because it has so many movies in it, and it was a hefty price. You know, the I don't think the Blade Runner briefcase was anywhere near priced what the uh, no. Marvel Phase 1 was. No, no, no. But when you just look at the quality of the cases them, themselves, um, what else has been really cool? Man, the uh, the Walking Dead Season 3 zombie head uh, aquarium thing? That yeah. was impressive. I didn't know it had, like, its own lights and, like, actual water and, <laughs> you know, uh, really cool-looking stuff like that. So the, the deluxe sets are getting nice. So the Breaking Bad barrel is about the size of, like, one of those mini Heineken kegs. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a good-sized barrel. Uh, it's heavy. It's not a cheap plastic. It it opens up. I mean, they did a good job, I think, of displaying it. Um, it sort of opens up. It cracks open on the side, and uh, it also opens up from the top, and there's a compartment up top for... Uh, you know, some of the uh, different things you get, like there's a, a special edition coin that you get, and you get the Los Polos Hermanos uh, apron. Oh, man, I wonder if I can get one of those separately so I can wear that in the kitchen. That'd be great. I tell you, uh, on Blu-ray.com, they have been chopping up this set because people want the coin, people want the uh, digital copy of the entire series, people want the book, People want the apron, and people want the bonus disc that only came with this complete set. So you could probably get it, because I know there are people out there that went with the the parts are worth more than the whole theory, um, and have been chopping it up. And each season is in a really cool, like, separate uh, holding disc, and it has, like, all artwork, for, uh, you know, something that would... Uh, you know, give you an idea of what the theme of the season was. Like, one of them has the pink teddy bear on it, I believe, and one of them has, like, the logo for Los Polos Hermanos and um, things like that. So, really nice. Very impressed. Uh, I'm not ready to rewatch Breaking Bad again. I just rewatched it before the final eight aired, so I'm pretty good for now, but it looks great on the uh, shelf with the other Blu-ray stuff, and uh, really impressive. And like I said, all that stuff you can only get in this set. Bonus disc is great. You get that footage of um, Brian Cranston and, um, come on, help the guy that forgets the names. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Get Aaron Paul, and they're reading the final episode for the first time. Nice. Uh, like on a, on a couch, you know, you get all that footage. Uh, you get the big alternative ending, which I'm not going... It's a joke, sort of alternative ending to the series, and it's really cool for a for a gag. Uh, it was definitely elaborate, took some planning and getting some people in to do it. If uh, I think you can... I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube and stuff. I don't want to spoil it if anybody's planning on checking it out with the season or whatever. Um, but really cool stuff, so I was uh, I was very happy to get that that's definitely right now my favorite show ever i know that can change it's weird how on that end they're really trying to cater to collectors and then on the other end you see something like 
what Paramount is doing, where they take all their special features and things that a collector like you would want in a set like that and farming it out to different, you know, stores and different editions and stuff. Um, you think they would want to play to their collecting base, like, you know, guys like you who want to have a really nice display set like that rather than, you know, um, you know, forcing someone who really is a completist to get more than one copy of the movie or whatever. And and I think that's really what they have to do, Jim. I mean, what, you have to kind of be a, a special person to want these sets because you can watch it all on Netflix. You know, you can, you can. There's so many ways to watch television series now. You know, if you belong to Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime, they all make their way around. I mean, they have to make these sets worthwhile, in my, in my opinion. I totally agree. Uh, so this one, uh, a a plus. I'm I'm happy. Um, much better than uh, the Terminator Two plastic head that I canceled my order for a couple years ago. <laughs> um, the other thing I got was the Criterion Zatoichi, uh, the Blind Swordsman set. Oh man, I would love that too. Love those movies. Beautiful. Again, beautiful presentation. Uh, a great box with comic art all over it. You know, uh, just sort of showing different scenes from Zatoichi films. It's funny. Somebody was talking about it on Facebook, and I think there's like a Facebook friend who did the art for it. Do you recall seeing anything like that, Jim? Like maybe a local guy or friends of a friend that did the art for that box set? Not off the top of my head, no, I can't. I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember a name or, or who it might have been. Um, it might have even been like an Ed Pisker post. Like, he would be the guy that would know the guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Maybe, but I just yeah, remember... Maybe Kagan McLeod or something. Yeah, um, I just remember seeing the, that somebody said, hey, my buddy did the art for that, which is cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I have actually, I have the VHS box set of like the first seven or eight Zatoichi films. Uh, that a friend of mine gave me when he he upgraded to DVD back in the day. So I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to get a set like that. You know, Criterion, everybody knows the reputation. I mean, the transfers are impeccable. Uh, everything looks like a brand new movie. Uh, I have not, I don't even know how many I had seen uh, previously. I, I'm like five or six movies in now. And they're just awesome, and, and they're awesome for so many reasons. Like, the storytelling is so good and so different. You know, it's like they're not writing for a movie. They're, they, they were written like they knew it was going to be 25 movies long. Like, <laughs> the end of a movie is not the end of a story. It will pick right up in the next movie. You know, they'll trail off on these side things that happen in the middle of a movie and it really has nothing to do with like the main plot and then they'll kind of wander back to it next movie uh it makes me think like a lot of these were filmed in one shot and then they chopped them up and decided this will be the end of a movie this is where we'll start the next one you know stuff like that and not this is not blood splatter like 80s uh samurai stuff you know definitely not like lone wolf and cub stuff this is like if he draws his sword twice per movie, that's a lot. You know, it's much more story and character driven. Very, very atmosphere too. Very much in, in depending on the atmosphere and like the the tension between characters, even when they're not speaking, things like that. 
you know, very Asian style of filmmaking to be sure. But like you said before, the the kind of chop sake stuff we see in the late sixties and seventies. And I've come to the conclusion that the Incredible Hulk television show was a ripoff of Zatoichi. So was the Fugitive. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but sort of that. And I think I don't know. Again, I think it was I was talking to Russ about it, and it just sort of clicked in my head. Like, comes into town, you know, want the Wanderer comes into town, meets the girl, something bad's going down. He has to kick ass, leaves the girl. I mean, that's that's basically the blueprint of most Zatoichi movies and most episodes of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it, it's funny how many things get borrowed like that in our culture. I mean, you know, Reservoir Dogs is borrowed from a Hong Kong movie called City on Fire. And, you know, I mean, things get translated both ways, you know, cross-culturally. It's kind of, it's definitely probably where they got the idea. Yeah, so again, really nice presentation uh, two really nice sets, and I'm hoping this is a trend that uh, that sort of sticks around. I'm interested to see how the Wolverine Claw set uh, ends up looking. I haven't seen that because and, that and I think that's out in the wild now, isn't it, or or has it not come out yet? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it in person, uh, and I knew I wasn't going to get it, so I haven't really like been paying attention. Yeah, that was a tough one for me because it looked kind of cool. But knowing that there's another Wolverine movie or another X-Men movie coming out less than a year away, it just seemed kind of silly to... And then they announced one after that. So I, I think unless I see that thing in person and it's just it just blows me away um, because I have all of them on disc now and that, that Best Buy exclusive... I'm kind of stepping on you, but um, that Best Buy exclusive Wolverine set uh, 3D Blu-ray combo was, was really sharp, so... Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I'm just, I know I'm repeating myself now, but I'm just happy the way these sets are starting to look. You know, they're, yeah. they're definitely, they're definitely stepping it up, which uh, they're going to have to, because, you know, again, I can buy the UV copy on a website for three bucks. You know, you better make the full Blu-ray release worth my while. Yeah. Yeah, the only Blu-ray action I've been getting lately has been uh, some of these John Carpenter reissues I mentioned on the uh, uh, What the Dudes Want for Christmas um, episode. We, I mean, I saw it on Precinct 13 and uh, a new version of Halloween, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his stuff, but not The Thing yet and not uh, Escape from New York yet. So They're doing, I guess, John, yeah, I think you pointed this to me that I get, they're doing, in, I think it's in England, they're going to do like some super special edition of Big Trouble in Little, in Little China? Yes, yeah. There, there's a listing for a, a steel book sort of super edition. Um, it wasn't region A, though, which kind of sucked. It wasn't region free, I should say. Right. So unless you have a region free player or live in the UK, uh, you're not going to be able to check that one out. I'd like, I'd like that, but not enough to move to the UK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't move to the UK yeah. for that. Yeah, but uh, Big Trouble in Little China is my favorite Carpenter movie of all time. Like, I just, that one, I just, I could watch a hundred times. Very good. I, I don't want to, I spoke a lot. I have one more, well, I have a bunch. Of, anybody want to go? Anybody? Go ahead, jump in. Somebody, anybody. Well, speaking of, I guess, Blu-ray sets, this is kind of an old thing. I, I think lately I've been living in 2012, but... um. I got the Bond 50 set. 
the the Blu-ray set with the Skyfall disc, which was awesome. Um, kind of similar to you, John. I just anybody that was getting me something for Christmas, I just said, "Get me an Amazon card." Uh, so I pulled those all, got it, and of course, the very next day, it went on sale at Best Buy for thirty dollars less or twenty dollars less than what I paid for it. So that was awesome as always. <laughs> but the set is is spectacular. I mean, I know you've sung its praises. You've had it for for quite some time. Um, but the presentation, the extras, uh, the the packaging, uh, everything is just it's just really really well done. So I'm I'm very very pleased with it. Yeah, that's a nice one. That's in the format of the uh, the old Planet of the Apes set with the big long book. Yeah. Uh, format, which now I don't think you can get the Planet of the Apes set like that anymore. I mean, I know it's really cheap now. I've seen it for like 20 bucks for all the Planet of the Apes movies, but it's just a box with the slim DVD cases in it now. It's not the big yeah. presentation anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think that went whatever they have. If you could find it, I think it's just whatever's there. I don't think it's, quote, in print. That version I don't think is in print anymore. Yeah, I, I found a used, a used uh, video store, actually, for like 30 bucks. That version with the book, the one that you had. Nice. Yeah, so, I think I got it on Amazon. I paid, it. I paid less than thirty on Amazon one day. It was like on a one of those gold box things or whatever. I've been kind of same kind of thing, like the Bond thing. I've been kind of eyeing it for quite a while and uh, pulled the trigger on it. So very nice. Did you guys all see The World's End? Yeah. Yes. I just caught up on that. I guess we're doing home video right now, so that's good. I finally caught up on that today. And, I mean, it's just, it's probably, i probably stick it in the middle. I think I like Shaun of the Dead better. I think World's End is a close second. Um, and Hot Fuzz is good. You know, they're all, all the, the three movies are good. Um, it's one of those movies where, like, I never, like, laughed out loud, but I was amused and entertained the entire time. Yeah, I really like I really like Wright's uh, directing style. Like even in Scott Pilgrim, like the like the whip cuts and the uh, the the fades and the kind of like I, w- I wouldn't say camera tricks, but like directing uh, tricks that he uses. I really yeah. like that. It keeps you know it keeps things uh, fresh and interesting for me. And I, I really yeah, the like transitions. The, yeah, exactly transitions from scene to scene, or you know, like when he'd have like somebody look at someone that he'd like whip cut to the to the other person, you know, without a without an edit in between or whatever. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It was in my top 10, but not my top five movies uh, this year. Um, I, I was a big fan of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz too, though. And I thought it was pretty cool. I, I thought Martin Freeman was kind of uh, uh, a cool addition. Patty Considine, you know, they, they worked real well with, uh, with Frost and Peg. So. It was funny seeing Peg as a completely different character than he played in Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Like in Hot Fuzz, he was the super straight-laced guy. And even in Shaun of the Dead, he wasn't like super straight-laced, but he was really more laid back. And in this one, for him to be this kind of type A personality, uh, you know, rambunctious kind of guy, I think that's what made it funnier for me, was to kind of see him play off off character a bit. Yeah, I have to go back and watch uh, Hot Fuzz. I I've seen Shaun of the Dead a few times since it's been released, but uh, I think I only, I've only seen Hot Fuzz one time. Yeah, same here. I also I checked out the Predator 3D release. Ooh, how was that? 
Um, I will give it for 3D conversions. I will give it a three and a half. And I don't know if you if you've watched Predator recently, or you can sort of envision uh, what I'm gonna say. You know how in Predator the jungle is in the foreground a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They sort of shoot the scene through the plants and stuff a lot of the time. So, like, in certain scenes of this 3D, that effect looks awesome. The plants are, like, sticking out at you in the foreground, and then the action's going on in the middle, and there's, like, so much jungle in Predator uh, for them to render all of that stuff in 3D. And I think they got, like, a third of the way through and said, holy crap, we cannot render this whole movie like this. (laughs) So it gets kind of like an incomplete. (laughs) Like, when they did it, it was awesome, but a lot of the movie is untouched. Oh, man. Like, a a few times I, like, lowered my glasses and it wasn't even blurry. Yeah. So... Now, again, like when they were able to pull it off, you know, the scenes that they used it in, it was really good. It was a nice 3D conversion. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, after seeing what they did with Jurassic Park, which was awesome, and what they were able to do in some scenes of this movie. Uh, I'm kind of excited for, like, the prospects of 3D conversion, but uh, they just couldn't. And it's a cheap 3D, you know, it's not like it was 27 bucks or anything. It was like under $15. It went even lower than that at one point. Um, so, you know, not a must. The stuff they did was cool. Um, you know, you'll you'll be good with your version of Predator, you know, for a while. You don't necessarily have to go out and get the 3D if you have 3D TVs and stuff like that. That's disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a total, like, you know, listen, iRobot is like, I can't even believe that they attempt, like, iRobot is just like crappy 3D, the whole movie. This is good 3D, it's just not enough of it. Did they shoot iRobot in 3D? No, No, it was a total after-the-fact conversion, which I think they've, from, from what I can think off the top of my head, they've done Gamer in, they went back and did Gamer in 3D, they went back and did iRobot in 3D, and I think Jumper just came out. Yeah, yeah. Strange choices. To, I can think to of better movies convert. you could do a 3D conversion to than those. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it has to do with like licensing and what they're allowed to do with what movies and stuff like that. I think those are but, two that have that performed underperformed at the box office, but performed pretty well on home video for whatever reason. And so I'm sure they probably looked at the sales charts and said, well. If we could get anybody who bought this to double dip and anybody on the fence to to grab it, it would probably be worthwhile to spend, you know, whatever. I'm sure they probably didn't go to the Primo 3D conversion house to do it either. So it's, you know, probably worth their while to spend maybe a couple million bucks on on doing it. Yeah, I think we're also at a stage where, like, people who spent a ton of money on a 3D TV and a 3D Blu-ray player are, like, begging for stuff to come out in 3D. Yeah. You know, I think now it's becoming, like, a pretty regular thing. A lot of movies are coming out in 3D. So a lot of discs are starting to come out in 3D. But for the last, you know, for the last couple of years, it got a little, you know, sparse for a while. 
I mean, you guys would know better than I would, but what I've heard is that like the Pixar movies are probably the best. Um, that do the best on home 3D. Is that true? I've only... I don't think I have any that were like 3D in the theaters. I have Finding Nemo in 3D, and it's pretty awesome for something that they went back and made 3D. Um, but that's probably the only one. Oh, and Brave. I, I do have Brave in 3D, which is very nice. So I would have to say yes. So far from what I've seen... The uh, digital animated stuff is is very nice. Yeah, I've got my son bought for, for the kids. He bought a lot of them, and he had a few of them floating around. And I grabbed up, uh, and I think I can't remember one of the one of the other ones I have, but I know up and maybe I think Brave was the other one. And since my PlayStation kind of bit the dust a few months back, and I haven't had a chance to either fix it or buy a three D Blu Ray player, I I never got a chance to actually stick it in there and see how well or not it was. So I, I can't really say. So you guys seen some movies lately? I have. Yeah, I've seen some. Yeah. Jim, why don't you, why don't you tell us what you've seen? You, you, you. I saw, I saw a really weird movie called computer chess. I saw it on video on demand. It's uh by, uh, it was made in Austin actually, Ross, not too far from you. Huh? Um, it's about. It, it starts off kind of like I thought it was like a mo- like a mockumentary. Um, it's an '80s uh, computer. Ch- it takes place in the early like 1980, I think, and it's a competition between computer programs that play chess against one another. Okay, so these guys are programmers who program the computer to play chess against another computer, and it's a a conference and tournament. And it's like it's it's almost like. Half the movie seems like it's it's and it's all shot in black and white VHS, by the way, hmm. like the whole movie. And it, when you first watch it, you think, "Oh, this is like Spinal Tap or something. This is like a mockumentary. This is going to be a comedy. You know, they're going to kind of, you know, shine a light on this era of nerddom or whatever." But like, it kind of gets um, stranger as it goes on. And I mean, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I don't think I don't know if it'd be for yeah, for everybody, but if you have like a special affinity for that period of geekdom, you know, like the early days of home computing and like the kind of like all the possibilities that there were, you know, that there seemed to be ahead for the the industry and I mean possibilities that were. I mean, I don't know. It just it's a really specific you know period in like geek history, you know, <laughs> and this movie nails it just so well. Like that kind of back when you know being a geek really was like you know being socially awkward and not, you know, I mean, we, we think of, you know, people as geeks now who are pretty, you know, cool and accepted by, by, you know, society or whatever. These, these guys aren't, these were computer geeks in like 1980 with their giant TRS eighties and their, um, you know, their Fairchild setups or whatever coming to play chess against one another. And, um, it's, it's an indie movie. Like I said, it's it shot on, uh, on, on VHS black and white stock, uh, the whole movie. Uh, in Austin, it's got some uh, some actors in it you might recognize from like Richard Linklater movies, like uh, Wiley Wiggins is in it, uh, uh, Chris Schluterman, uh, some of the others from like that you might have seen in, like Days to Confused or um, or Slacker or some of the other Linklater movies. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, and uh, it, it's, it ended up being one of my top ten movies of the year just because I thought it really, uh, you know, really like nailed that one particular part of. Geek history really, really well. I mean, other, and 
it, it's definitely one of those it's one of those movies that you're watching i mean there's so many times you go to the movie and you're watching and you're like okay well this is going to happen next okay this is going to happen next and you know exactly you know beat by beat and note for note and that's not always bad because you know some movies are really good that you can predict from you know the first reel but uh this movie you have no idea what's going to happen all the way up until the end and uh it, it was pretty cool now the end is where Skynet is formed, or is that <laughs> in the yeah? Sequel? This is actually a, a, a stealth Terminator prequel <laughs> to to reboot the franchise. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I, I liked it. If if only to see all those old computers. <laughs> yeah. With the giant three three and a quarter floppy disks and stuff. It's funny though, John. You say that because there's this one character. It's like, man, they're teaching him to play chess now, but soon they're gonna take over, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's even talking about the singularity, like back then in the 1980s. So. I saw 47 Ronin. Ooh, I only saw 46. So. Nah. You missed I out. Missed the the last Ronin. one was the important one. Yeah. Um, it was not the train wreck that it's it's being made out to be. Um, unfortunately, it's terribly mismarketed. Uh, the more I read about the production of this movie, you know, it, it becomes clear. Um, they wanted to do a real samurai movie. And the studio wanted a Christmas, you know, blockbuster. And you know it got muddled. It just it just got muddled. It's there's not enough action for it to be that super action tentpole, and there's not enough character and story for it to be like a real samurai movie that is faithful to the uh, legend and, and stuff. But not nearly as bad um, as it's being made out to be. Actually, probably the best Keanu Reeves I've seen in years. In terms of like just toning it down and playing like a normal role. Some really good action and effects. You know, again, just not enough. Got slow in some parts. Not bad slow all the time. They spent some time with some relationships and characters. Just kind of made it uneven. You know, they just missed the mark a little bit. I've watched so between the Zatoichi and rewatching uh, Samurai Jack. And reading Lone Wolf and Cub, <laughs> I'm totally samurai. I don't even want to say samurai out. I'm in like this samurai zone. <laughs> samurai Johnny it, M. Yeah, and it really just wasn't that. Like you would think, putting it in context with all that other great stuff that I just mentioned would make it seem worse. Uh, but it really didn't. It kind of fit into that. You know, samurai stories are not all sword fights and chopping off heads and, and stuff. They're not. You know, they're just, they're more story-driven than that. And this tried to do some of that. It, like, wasn't terrible. You know, like, I'll give it, like, a three out of five. It was okay. Um, I know they left a lot on the floor, and I know they reshot a lot of stuff. You know, and I know they put out a whole different version in Japan. Which in Japan, it got totally, not even did it, it didn't even get killed. It got flat out boycotted in Japan. I think it made $2 million total. Yeah, it was crazy. I, when I saw that on, on uh, Box Office Mojo, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, wow, they must have really had strong feelings against that. 
Right. And that's not even word of mouth and it sucks so nobody else went. That's right. nobody went. Yeah, that, you it, know, and I don't know if that was, you know, they I know they played with the legend and they brought the supernatural into it and of course the American, you know, Ronin was like an issue, I guess. I don't know, but Yeah, we've seen movies here where they've had like you know, forty, sixty million dollar opens, and then two million the next weekend because every, you know, for whatever reason, viral marketing, hype, whatnot, you know, they, it gets good, good buzz, and people go see it, and then everybody trash talks it, and then nobody goes the next week. But like you were saying, this, this is just like they didn't show up in the first place, <laughs> right? So maybe I wouldn't recommend it, like go out and see it, you know, but uh, check it out on home video, you know, and, and again, maybe we get something cool, maybe we get a. Director's cut, extended cut, you know, alternate cut. They got to try to recoup something. I mean, yeah, because it, yeah, it cost a s ton of money. I mean, like two hundred million to make that movie, and it, I don't even think it's going to make fifteen or twenty. And it, I would say the best attribute of it is it looked great. You know, and I know they went through through a lot of trouble to shoot in certain locations that were difficult and build an entire Japanese village in, like, the forest that they wanted to shoot in. Like, all of that equaled it, you know, costing a lot of money. Uh, but it did look great. Costumes were great. Wow. Just missed it by that much. So just in time to get over your... Uh, you, w w just like when you'll be hitting the crest of the samurai hump... You'll be ready for uh, Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress to to show up on Criterion Blu-ray. I think it's February or March they announced that for. Or it's gonna be it's it's yeah soon. It's before the spring, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I know we we kind of talked offline about that. Uh, you and I did, John, because um, you haven't seen it. Um, I I have. I bought the DVD version. Jim, you've seen Hidden Fortress, right? Oh yeah, when I yeah. I saw it back when I was in college. Yeah. Um. And so, of course, for those of you that don't know at home, Hidden Fortress was seen is seen as a heavy influence of George Lucas for Star Wars. There's a lot of parallels and similarities. Um, he actually did the introduction to the DVD, the Criterion DVD version. It's like a little minute and a half intro that he did uh, for that. So uh, Criterion always goes above and beyond. You know, they were kind of like special editions before there were special editions back in the Laserdisc days. Um in the early days of DVD, they would they would go to great lengths. So I'm looking forward to uh, to picking that one up on Blu-ray, and maybe it'll give me impetus to to pick up uh, uh, Seven Samurai and and a couple of the other Kurosawa films that I I love, and I just I just haven't been able to to jump on. Keep an eye on Barnes and Noble. I hate Barnes and Noble because usually their sale prices bring everything down to like the normal price that you should pay. <laughs> But uh, they do have a lot of 50% off Criterion or uh, buy one, get one Criterion stuff. Yeah. Um, so it is worth it for their for their Criterion Blu-rays a couple few times a year, I'd say. And speaking of Criterion, I mean, something I've noticed and a lot of people I know that have the service haven't noticed is that Hulu Plus has a ton of the Criterion collection, like going through uh, rotation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, in, in their listings, if you, I mean, most people look at Hulu TV and they never look at Hulu movies, but they they rotate. I mean, I just saw, um, I think it was Rashomon not too long yeah. ago, and they had your Jimbo yeah. on there. And they've had like a lot of really, they had some, um, oh crap, uh, Bergman, Yojimbo? Seven Seal, 
Seven Seal was on there. Um, so, I mean, they, the, a lot of the Criterion have ended up on, you know, rotating in and out of Hulu Plus. Which is cool for me because I can't afford every DVD and Blu-ray I want. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I mean, maybe we could talk about it a little bit, and I'll, I'll defer to you, Russ. Uh, again, I think closing the gap from quality of streaming to quality of Blu-ray, it sounds like 4K is getting around a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah, I still, we, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, I, I'm still very dubious on 4K. Um, I think... I think certain things will really benefit from it. I think sports is will be one of those things. Um, my concern is just delivery mechanism, and everything I hear on delivery is related to compression and new methods of compression. And you know, we're going to be able to deliver 4K at the same you know uh, total bandwidth or bit rate that we do uh, you know con- you know current high def. Uh, and there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of discussion on, even on like YouTube, looking at 1080 videos on YouTube, there's still a lot of, um, there's still a lot of pixelation. There's a lot of artifacting. There's a lot of banding and stuff like that. And, and that's not going to go away. I don't think with, with this. So, you know, maybe it's just, it's just one of those things where just the increased resolution will make a lot of people happy. I don't think, and I could be wrong, maybe it'll just be a high, maybe this will, 4K physical might be the new laser disc, but I don't think we're going to see like a widely adopted 4K physical media format. Um, you know, I know Sony is doing their quote-unquote 4K transfers now, which uh, they're still 1080p, but they're just taken from 4K masters uh, and given high bit rate, which again, um, you know, that that's how they're really pushing it is this high bit rate thing they did. Sony did that back in the DVD days with their super bits and they looked awesome. I mean, there was no blemishes and flaws on those, on those DVDs that, that got released. Uh, so that's kind of where they're going with that. But I'm just, I, I'll have to see it. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. I'll have to see it to believe it kind of thing. And I guess we should backtrack just a little bit, uh, what we're referring to is, I guess, within the last two weeks, both Netflix and YouTube have said that they're going to be able to be doing some 4K streaming uh, this year. And Amazon. And Amazon. Oh, I missed that one. Okay. Yeah, Amazon is is shooting like, uh, what is it, Alpha House, and I think a couple of the new pilots and stuff. I think they're actually whether they're going to broadcast it that way or not, but they're definitely shooting it all in 4K. But, but yeah, like you said, uh, John, Netflix formally announced that house of cards will be delivered in 4k uh when it when it hits through some some mechanism something they were talking about on i read on ars technica and also i heard about on giant bomb was that they were worried about um uh, programming uh video games in 4k and trying to make them look realistic or what have you um because of the extra assets or time it takes to create the assets in the game like down to like the bushes the wreckage or whatever that they were wondering you know, how big of it, um, I mean, production-wise, everybody had to upscale, uh, you know, uh, AAA studios really had to upscale their size and everything to, to keep up with, you know, high, uh, the you know the advent of HDTV and gaming. They're wondering if it was going you know, to be that big of a jump as far as production size and budgets and everything else to, to do it in, in, in 4K, you know. Um, 
which is interesting because they'll make like the golf between triple a games you know that that cost sixty dollars and that cost you know a hundred two hundred million dollars to make and the indie games that we download for five or ten dollars a piece online you know it'll make the golf even wider if they have to you know have these giant budgets to to program it all in for you know 4k resolution yeah, i don't know i it's mean it's amazing really you know i'm sorry just you wonder how far it can go like how far it can continue like how much clearer can it get you know <laughs> yeah. I, it's just and that's that's where i kind of get back to you know i'd rather the focus be put on just improving quality i mean it doesn't matter that it's 4k if it still looks like crap you know or if it's if it if the if they haven't gone through and cleaned up the source material or you know nobody wants to see a 30 year old movie on 4k if they're not going to make it look like it deserves to be on 4k or if when you watch uh you know i don't know pick your movie like you know you, you watch uh, uh you know batman begins in 4k you know streaming through some service and every time there's heavy action you're just seeing the artifacting and everything it's like yeah great when everything is standing still or they're doing a slow sweep or when there's a close-up on two actors you know you can see every pore in their head and and it looks fantastic but the minute you know people start kicking the crap out of each other it's it's just all pixelated and and you know artifacty it, it it's gonna completely ruin it so i uh I just remain skeptical. I mean, I see just in looking like we have satellite TV for for cable, and I hear this complaint with with conventional wired cable too. But you know, a lot of times when you're watching like sports or anything heavy action, you'll see a lot of the artifacting and everything, and that's you know f fairly high bandwidth you know capacity that they have. So, I I, I like I said, I I hate to be a negative Nancy, but I I, I kind of remain skeptical on on 4K until at least it's been proven out to me that. It, it, other than buying some ridiculous six-figure box to sit in your house and have stuff beam down, you know, that takes three days to get a movie, um, you know, how it's going to actually pan out. What else? Uh, Jim, you saw American Hustle. I did. What'd you think? I thought it was a little slow to get going, but once it did, I really was into it. I got a real Scorsese vibe off of it, um, like with the use of all the you know continuous pan shots, you know, without a, a break or and the use of music. You know what I mean, like period music and yeah. stuff. I got a real Scorsese vibe, like that one scene with um, Jeremy Renner's character and, and Christian Bale where they're in the the uh, the uh, Italian restaurant. I mean, that just really like spoke like Goodfellas to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. But it, it's funny that you say that. I, I kind of, I did enjoy it. Uh, I kind of felt like I'd seen the movie before. You know, it wasn't like a super uh, unique story. Um, it did seem like a, a lot of the scenes were pulled out of other movies. Uh, but I really enjoyed the cast. Yeah, the performances. I really were great. did. Unbelievable. And the kid. The cast, just to start off, is the names are unbelievable. And for all of them, you know, nobody mailed it in. There were some great performances in that movie, down to, you know, Robert De Niro's cameo. And, and Louis C.K. Even yeah. his character, even yeah. his, like, small role was pretty awesome, you know, in it. Yeah. I mean, you had Renner and, of course, Christian Bale. And Bradley Cooper, uh, who I didn't even recognize for the first half hour of the movie. And finally, like, yeah. to, he was, like, after, after the scene in the hotel where, you know, 
uh, uh, Christian Bale is dressing him down. I'm like, wait a minute, that's Bradley Cooper. You know. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Adams were spectacular. And they get to wear all those great '70s clothes and driving all those great '70s cars and the yeah. great '70s soundtrack playing behind them. That was pretty sweet. But um, yeah, like you make a good point. It's like a story that's been kind of seen and and done before, but it's sort of pseudo based on a real story, I guess. Um, you know, or something that I think in the beginning they have the captions like some of this stuff actually happened. And that's yeah, like the only explanation yeah. they give, but it's it's like loosely based on the Abscam um, um, uh, sting operation of the you know the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Um, but yeah, like you said, the cast is great, and uh, I don't know. I, I just thought it was it was well put together and kind of evocative of a lot of seventies movies. I'm mean, I'm a big fan of like seventies cinema. You know what I mean? Like um, French yeah. Connection and and and. Um, and, and Godfather and, and you know even Goodfellas kind of took some from Godfather and I like you said John you know I'm watching this movie I'm like this is right out of Goodfellas or this is out of you know Casino yeah. or this is reminding me of a better movie that had the same kind of scene in it but I, I liked it overall yeah the performances the, the, the ensemble is, is just great working together the cast is just great it really sells it yeah I ended up with uh it's funny. I will have Amy Adams and Jennifer Lawrence on my duties list for best actress, and I am not talking about Man of Steel, and I did not see Catching Fire. Right. <laughs> it's it's all out of American well, Hustle. You get Batman, Lois Lane, and Hawkeye all in one movie here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy that was almost Green Lantern. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't I haven't caught it quite yet, but um, I th- that and the Wolf of Wall Street are two that are like really high on my list to catch. Um, and I just I just haven't had the opportunity to uh, to get out and do that. And th- those are always tough. Like my, lately, my budget's been a little tough. We had like some crazy car expense come up. Um, but usually, I kind of reserve stuff that's not huge you know like big blockbustery kind of like look good on the big screen stuff to and relegate that to you know waiting for home video but i feel like too with the duties coming up and stuff like that that i'm these are pretty big critically acclaimed movies i feel like i'm kind of doing a disservice by not catching them uh so if i get if i get the chance i'll definitely i'll definitely check them out but uh the more i hear about wolf of wall street the more i want to see that uh it's a good excuse to go to the movies. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah. like, uh, you know, when I'm watching TV and my wife is like, what are you doing? Just sit around watching TV. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this for the podcast, you know. So, yes, research. So, research. So, so, you know, make a date night of it. But I, I thought, I, I really liked American also quite a bit. Like John said, for the performances more than the story. Yeah, and that's cool. Um, that's cool. Did you guys see The Hobbit Part 2? I Hob- did. Hobbit Harder? Hobbit, yeah, <laughs> still hobbiting. Um, still hobbiting. <laughs> smog boogaloo. Electric smuggler. Yeah. <laughs> Electric smuggler. Um, I strikes back. I liked it a lot. I mean, I I really I was very lukewarm on the first one. I thought it was okay. I thought it drug a little too too long. I think there were certain sequences that. Even though they were filled with action, I kind of was like, okay, I, I think I've seen enough of this. Um, 
in this one, I didn't feel that at all. I mean, I felt like when the movie was over, it felt like a long movie, but it didn't feel like that long of a movie. Like, I've, I've sat through hour 50-minute movies and felt like they were twice as long as, as that. Um, and it just, it, it just, I think it was well-paced. I, th- I think there was great action. I, I, th- I thought the character interactions were, were fantastic. The ending, I thought, was spectacular. I mean, just that whole cat and mouse thing in the in the heart of the mountain with Smaug and uh, and then kind of ending on a cliffhanger. I, I just was really impressed. The barrel scene I thought worked worked awesome. I mean, it was just it had had humor, it had action, it had um, you know fighting and and stuff like that. So I just I was just really impressed with it, and I, I was I was very surprised because, like I said, I was I was pretty lukewarm on on the first one. So to to be to come out of there, you know, with a smile on my face and being happy with it, I thought was was a big plus for that. There were kind of like a couple of um, things that you know, reminded me of the Lord of the Rings movie, like the whole sequence with the spiders. I mean, there's yeah. a sequence very yeah. much like that in, in Return of the King, and then like um, there's that part where he's like, yeah, maybe you'll meet my son someday and he'll kick your butt or whatever. His, his name is Gimli. Yeah. yeah. Wink, yeah, yeah. wink. You know, it's just like... A little, those those little things kind of took me out of it a little bit. You know, I'm like, oh, really? Can you just tell the story, you know? But um, I do agree that uh, the rest are, I mean, I'm, I liked it a lot better than the first one. The first one I thought it kind of was a lot of setup, and a lot of padding, and like, okay, I understand you want to make a trilogy out of this, but this could have easily been two movies rather than three, I think, anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I really liked this one a lot better. The performance by Richard Armitage is great as as, uh, as Thorin in this. Um, the the way they worked the the elves in was was nice. You know the with Legolas and uh, the the chick from Lost. Um, Tariel Evangeline Lilly is part elf, I believe. Now, mm-hmm. I mean she she was perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need to look it up, but the guy that plays Balin, he's the older, you know, the the white haired. Um, dwarf. He just has that awesome voice. Like I, I, I mean, I don't think he was doing a voice necessarily, but he had just whenever he spoke, it just seemed very, uh, very poignant. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I just liked Ken Stott is his name. I haven't heard of right, him, but Ken uh, Stott. But he did. I thought he did a fantastic, fantastic job. I'm with you guys for the most part. I mean, I, I loved it. And I, I really liked the first one. I think I, I probably, just from listening to you guys say you were lukewarm, I think I probably liked the first one better uh, than you guys. And, and I I really like this one. There are definitely, you know, 10 minutes here and there that could be chopped. Oh, you know, sure. and cut maybe a half an hour off the whole thing. Um, but I thought it was great. I, I loved all the action stuff. I love uh, Smaug looks awesome. And uh, like I said, Evangeline Lilly was a great addition. Um, I actually, w- with the risk of uh, handing in my geek card, I have not seen Thor 2, uh, The Dark World, as of yet. Hmm. And this this jumped right up to like the top of my movies of the year. You know, without having seen Thor, which seems to be the consensus best geek movie or close to it, with maybe the Wolverine being up no, there as Pacific well. Pacific Rim. Um, no, see, Pacific for, Rim. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me it was the Wolverine. I mean, that was that was that that was tops uh, in that genre uh, for me this year. But yeah, 
Pacific Rim is on the on the top of my list with the caveat of it has to be 3D IMAX. Yeah, that was pretty intense in yeah. IMAX 3D. Guaranteed. Yes, I agree. But I, I agree with you, Jim. I think this could have easily been... The Hobbit could have easily been two movies. I, th- I think they could have chopped quite a bit off the first one. I think they could, like John said, they could have easily clipped 30 minutes off of... I, I, like I said, I didn't think it felt too long, but there were pieces where I was like, yeah, they could clip here, clip there kind of thing. Um, I think they could have easily made this two, like probably right at three-hour movies and called it good because, you know, knowing knowing the book, and I haven't read the book in quite some time, but, but I still remember, you know, do remember it. Um, where this movie left, I was like, wow, there's really not that much left in the book. <laughs> um, you know, certainly not enough to get the typical Peter Jackson two-and-a-half, three-hour movie. So I, I'm I'm wondering if this last one... Um, there and back again is going to be maybe closer to two hours than three, uh, just just based on what I think is left to deal with. I think about that last hour of Return of the King. We had like five or six different endings <laughs> in a row. You know, I just wonder if that's going to be like, like you know a replay of that. But as far as the middle act, I thought this was great. Yeah, there's a couple corners I think they're painting themselves into um, that I'll be curious to see how they get out of. Uh, especially with the Gandalf storyline, like given what happens to him and what's going on, uh, certain things don't quite make sense at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring if if he kind of knows what's up. So I'm curious to see how they uh, sidestep that. Mind wipe. Possibly. You can always pull a mind wipe. It's done in comics all the time. By the way, I, I want to take this moment since we're talking about movies to implore everyone to go see the trailer for Kung Fury. Yes. Oh my God. Please, please go see the go. Just look it up on YouTube. You know, it's the Kickstarter. You don't have to give me any money if you want. Don't want to, but after you see the trailer, you're gonna want to. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the it totally wins as best trailer of ever. Agreed. It's great, Kung Fury. Uh, one last movie thing for me. Um, on demand right now, and I think they released it on Blu-ray like the week after On Demand, uh, Ninja 2, Scott Adkins, Isaac Florentine directing. They are the masters of direct-to-video and video on demand. Uh, awesome, kick-ass, old-school ninja movie. <coughs> ninja 1 was okay. Ninja 2 blows it away. Wow. Totally... Totally, like, you know, made me think of American Ninja and uh, Revenge of the Ninja and every other Ninja movie from the mid-80s that... Ninja 3, The Domination? Yes. You had to stay up late to catch them on HBO. Ninja 3, The Domination? Is that what you said? Yes. I I think I still have that on VHS somewhere. Ninjas are back. Scott Adkins is like the head scratcher. He never left. You just didn't see them. He, yeah, he, uh, he's gotten bit parts in like major movies, but he just can't catch on. And he's so kick-ass in like every, you know, uh, direct-to-video and and these on-demand movies that he does. Yeah, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning was was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess he is in the Hercules movies that doesn't have The Rock. 
Oh yeah, that one. I think it, that starts this Friday. I think, depending on when you listen to this. Right. There's two Hercules movies coming out. Uh, in pretty, I guess the Rock one might be still a bit of a ways off. I think summer, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah but uh, Scott Atkins is in the first one, which will probably bomb and not help his cause. <laughs> But uh, he does some really, in, in terms of martial arts and stuff like that, he does some great stuff. Do we want to, uh, anybody got any more movies or do we want to segue to TV? I'm movied out. I'm uh, I'm also pretty much movied out. As long as I get to shout out Kung Fury, that's all. <laughs> So Jim will probably go most... go get a beer while we talk about this, and it's too bad Jordan couldn't be on. But uh, John, you saw the Doctor Who the uh, night of I, I always get it wrong. Is it is, was it Night of the Doctor or Time of the Doctor? That doesn't sound right. Day of the Doctor, no. Night of the Doctor, the Christmas special. Yes, thank you. Time of the Doctor. That's that's what it is. Um, the the Christmas special, um, which was actually too well. Several things. One, it was Matt Smith's last Doctor Who episode. It was also, I didn't realize this, and I can't believe they didn't hype this up, but if Wikipedia, which is the bastion of truth and knowledge, is correct, it's the 800th episode of Doctor Who. Wow. Yeah, which I find it hard to believe they didn't really push that, but um, maybe in Britain they did. Maybe us goofy Americans just didn't didn't catch on to it. Um, but I was, again, really impressed with this. I... I I liked um, Night of the Doctor, which was the the 50th anniversary special. I thought it was good. Um, I thought this one was really good. Uh, I I, I like the story they were telling. I like how it wrapped up all the Matt Smith stuff. Um, you know, I I like the way it ended and kind of how he went out. I, I I don't know how I'm gonna feel about Peter Capaldi as the next Doctor. Um, although I said the same thing about Matt Smith when he first came on this uh, on as the Doctor. I, right. I wasn't really high on him and he grew on me pretty quick yeah i mean i think it's always uh it's always difficult to picture how you're gonna like the next one as much as the last one i know my daughter who's gotten really into doctor who is upset you know she keeps saying but he's so old yeah you know because she's just used to matt smith and and even uh tenant even tenant you know tenant was younger um and she enjoyed that and, and the uh, his sort of... And he seems like he's going to be more... No, I guess not serious. He seems like... Well, they did a little bit of, like, bumbling or, like, he can't remember everything yet. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I What I really like about these specials, you know, the 50th anniversary special and the Christmas special, they're just TV events. You know, we don't get that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it and they're really, you know, they've really done it right. They're well done. Their movies are on TV, basically, and their events, you know, not much, uh, not unlike Sherlock, who we got the premiere for also in some places. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, I, I think I don't know. I, you know, for a while I was like, maybe they. I wish they would have kind of gone a different way with the do- like, make a female doctor or something like that, but. Then I thought, well, he always has a female companion, so she's that character is usually pretty front and center. Uh, so I guess it's it's not that big of a deal. But I guess I wish they would have went in a kind of a different direction with with who they picked. 
Um, and and I, I think part of that's maybe being a little unfair because I haven't, you know, we got 30 seconds of Peter Capaldi at the end of the, the special, so it, it's it's hard to say. But um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see uh, to to see how this pans out. But uh, but yeah, I was surprised that Matt Smith kind of had. I, I guess he had about the same amount of episodes as as Tennant did, but uh, but if he was a doctor for a couple more years, I don't feel like it would have drug on too long. I don't I don't think he would have overstayed his welcome. And and it felt like he just got started with Clara. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feels like there was kind of a. I don't know if they knew he was leaving when they started up with her. Probably not. But there's like a big, right, there's a big mystery underlying with her story that they've set up for quite a while. Um, and for him to be pulled out of it, and I know the next doctor is really the same doctor, just in a different body, so he'll still have the same emotions over it, but it just seems like the Matt Smith character should have been able to get some kind of closure with that or you know, more exploration of it anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you guys both saw the Sherlock premiere. Yeah, we did. I don't know how much we can say because it's not really widely... I guess it aired on BBC One, which is not the common BBC channel. Uh, I know I get BBC America. I don't even get BBC One. I think it's premiering on uh, PBS, like in the middle of the month. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the nineteenth yeah. is the date. They're we came showing up. all yeah. the, uh, all the uh, old Sherlock's leading up to it, like as the you know, week or two goes on before the premiere. I just love the format. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but three one and a half hour episodes, like it totally does it for me. <laughs> you know, like it's like three back to back movies, and that's your season. Yeah, yeah, I always like the the shorter season. I'd rather they do a shorter season, you know, if you have a more finite story and they, or a more intense story rather than having to feel the need to, you know, stretch it out to 22 episodes, you know, like we do with American television. It, um, it's something I, I've, you know, talked about before. It's just, uh, it seems like it, it calls for more compact storytelling. And like you said, John, I'd rather have three short Sherlock movies than, you know, uh, and, you know, have them be all really well written and intense, and you know, a watered down twenty-two episode season. I imagine the actors enjoy it too, because they get to kind of put in their time. They get to plow through, you know, four and a half hours worth of TV, and then they get, you know, the other whatever nine months or you know six months or whatever it ends up being to do other stuff, you know, to take on other acting gigs or to both appear in a Hobbit movie or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, comes up. And Martin, Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumber, uh, Cumberbatch are certainly getting around. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. I'm really, you know, this is kind of a dead TV time. You know, you're, you, this is when you get your break of all the shows that you're watching, but, uh, I'm really looking forward to Helix on uh, Sci-Fi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the new show. Ronald D. Moore show. Yeah, yeah. It looks super creepy and uh, intense. And uh, I tell you, the intelligence. Have you seen the coming attractions for that show? Oh, yeah. yes. How can you miss them? They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. You know, it's. I'm waiting for somebody to say it's the Six Million Dollar Man remake. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I didn't think I mean, about it. I mean, that's like the that. way they're 
that's the way they're built, right? I mean, do they? I think they say bigger, stronger, faster, or <laughs> something close to that in one of the promos. Yeah. It looks just like Detective Vision in Batman Arkham Asylum. You know, I can construct a hologram of it in my mind, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. There have been a lot of really uh, good shows, though, that will be, I mean, they'll be coming back in January, like um, um, American Horror Story Coven and uh, Almost Human and uh, um, Dracula, which is so so weird, I can't stop watching it. I know it's terrible. I, I, it's one of those shows, I, I know, it's a terrible show or whatever, but it's just so messed up, I just can't stop watching it. It's like looking at a train wreck. Uh, Sleepy <laughs> Hollow has been really good. I mean, there's a lot, you know, it's been a pretty good season for shows. I'm not even going to watch any more Almost Human until they announce a second season, which I know isn't going to happen. So, yeah, I have. I just know they're going to cancel. Yeah, it. I have a feeling they're not going to give that time to get any legs. And and again, it's kind of a weird thing, you know. Fox puts it on for four or five episodes, and they go on a month break, and then they'll put it back on, and then. You know, I I don't know. Um, I, I, it just it just kind of uh, you know we've talked before on other shows about this whole you know six weeks or two month break and how that I mean I think it works great for The Walking Dead, um, but that that's just a completely different animal. But some of these other shows that are kind of fighting for audience, I, I think it really just kills the momentum and people. You know, people are creatures of habit, and you take that habit away from them, and they're just like, eh, whatever, I'll catch it on Netflix. I'll wait till it comes on, you know, Blu-ray or DVD, and, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then the show doesn't have any viewership, and then, boom, it goes away. It's too bad. It's a solid yeah. show, I think. I mean, it borrows from a lot of places, but it borrows from good places. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, what I've seen. I just... uh I see that number. Yeah. That magic number that Fox is not going to like. Well, and that show is not cheap either. I'm, I imagine it's fairly expensive. Right. I'm looking forward to Arrow coming back. Oh, I still haven't caught up on it. Oh, man, you got to do it. Yeah, it's been definitely improving as it's been going. I think it's been getting better as it's been going on. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Just, I, I, it's funny. Um, Donnie Salvo really nailed it. We're talking about Arrow. He said that... Um, he doesn't like the CW parts of it, like the young young yeah. people in love, you know, romance yeah. parts of it. But the parts that aren't that are really pretty good. They found the balance. I mean, yeah, you know, they're definitely catering to that audience a little bit, but they got the geeks too. I mean, all I every criticism of Shield, Agents of Shield, is followed with, "You want to watch a superhero show? Watch Arrow." Yeah, you know that's yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much. You know the the going comment on the internet right and, now. And the thing so. is, it's like the be- that shows at its best, I think anyway. When as it's uh, least superheroy, you know what I mean? Like when it's a little more, um, I don't want to say believable, but plausible. You know what I mean? A little more street level. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's when right. the way that show really works best, I think. Like I thought the Count Vertigo character, which you know, spoiler uh, for something that happened like, a couple months ago. He got killed, and I'm pretty glad because I thought those were some of the weakest episodes uh, when it got a little too, I hate to say comic booky, but you guys know what I mean when I say that, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We'll I like it when it's a little more side. grounded. Now, how- I'm hoping they that that's the approach they take with the new Daredevil show um, that Drew, Drew Goddard is doing for Netflix, you know, if they 
they kind of take a page out of that book and make sure that, I mean, like I said, it doesn't have to be, you know, 100% realistic as long as it's believable. You know, a little more street level, a little more realistic, a little more, um, you know, Arrow or Daredevil in you know, either case. but It's a slippery slope with Daredevil, you know, because he's street level and, quote, more realistic, like you're saying, but his origin is, a bl- you know, a kid that gets nuclear waste dumped on him and becomes a... Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it sort of starts off with the most ridiculous premise on its way to being street level and believable. Um... Now, how did you, I'd be interested to hear, how How do you guys think, you know, saying what Jim just said, that it's at its best when it's less comic booky? how did you feel about The Flash, uh, you know, what you've seen so far? You think it's going to work, or do you yeah. think it's going to be? Yeah, it was very, very well done. I, I'm a little soft on the guy that plays Barry Allen, um, but I think it was handled really well. There was a lot of... In the beginning, and Jim, I'll I'll be curious if you think this, there were a few times where I thought he was already the Flash, um, and we just didn't see the origin part of it, because he he made a couple comments, and then he kept kept talking about how he was always late or missing the train, you know, just like, almost like he was overcompensating for the fact that, look, I really can't move very fast, I'm, you know, I'm always late because I missed the train, you know, kind of typical Barry Allen stuff, um... But it was, I just thought it was done really well. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to spoil it for you, but but they ended that character arc, for the, they ended what, what happened with that character in those two episodes he was in very, very well. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see when they start to show up how, what direction they go in. But, you know, I think they were kind of, it, it, it kind of added this cool complexity um, with, Barry and Felicity Smoke and um, and Oliver, but it was real subtle, so it wasn't super CWE like you know sappy, um, angsty. It was it was real subtle, um, kind of kind of a little bit of a triangular struggle between those those three. Um, but I I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it too, and I think the uh, the guy they picked for Barry Allen is pretty likable. And that really helps a lot because, I mean, he's kind of that likable, affable character, you know, as far as, you know, the way he's traditionally been portrayed in the comics anyway. But um, I, I didn't I didn't have, come to the same conclusion he did that he was already the Flash, but I did kind of, be, you know, when they did that, he said stuff, oh, I'm always late. I'm just like, wink to the audience who reads comics, you know. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yes, he's going to be the Flash. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was a bit where... He's in Oliver's lair there, and there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of vials of chemicals stacked up on a on a rack, and he walks over there, and I think there was it was even raining in that scene, and he even says to Felicity, he's like, "You have this chemical by this chemical." He's like, "Don't you realize how dangerous that could be? You know, something could go terribly wrong or something." And I, that's when I I kind of got a little bit of hint that maybe he's saying that because you know because of the accident and it already happened, but uh, uh, but but that wasn't the case, but. But yeah, it was, it was pretty. I I I liked it a lot, and I just love um, Felicity Smoke. I mean, I just she's she's probably, if not my favorite character on that show, just like one of them because she's very much. And I I hate to go back to the to the um, uh, Agents of Shield comparison, but 
she does the brainy hackery talk stuff like well like they they write her dialogue i think way better where she's just really like not afraid to be upfront in somebody's face but yet at the same time realize that that's what she's doing it it just comes across a lot better um if you if you kind of compare and contrast those two characters they also are bringing in um like the league of assassins and um they're bringing in the, one of the daughters of Rachel Ghoul but not um, Not Talia. Talia, yeah, is Nissa, I think, Al Ghul, or Nessa yeah. Al Ghul. Yeah. Um, because I think Talia is part of the purview of the Batman uh, franchise, and the, so they <laughs> yeah, can't use be. her. But they mentioned Rachel Ghul by name. I mean, they've, they've, they've right. named him. And they definitely, uh, like I said, are bringing in League of Assassins stuff into the story. So I don't know where that overlaps or if there's like a, you know, a division there at all, what they could use. But, um, you know what? Now, who's... T- I'm sorry. Who who's doing the Gotham PD show? Warner Brothers is still producing it, but they're going to air it on Fox. Oh, okay. All right. So that's a totally different. Uh, okay. So that's not spinning out of Arrow no. and the Flash uh-uh. universe and all that. Okay. That's too bad. The cool thing though is, you know, they talk about the League of Assassins. Well, I guess it was the League of Shadows in in. Uh, in the in the Nolan movies, but the other thing they mention is when they talk about uh, Queen Consolidated, they talk about their Applied Sciences division, which I always thought was you know kind of a cool nod to you know because they brought you know that was the Nolan thing, um, but but there's just it's a lot of cool little nods like you know Ferris Air and they talk about Ted Cord and you know just just little things uh, like that that they bring up. Right, but they don't overload it with supernatural super science. People with a, you know extreme, you know too many you know, extreme powers or whatever. I mean, it would easily, it could easily, you know, just be overloaded with that kind of stuff. But it's not at all. It's very, like you said, Nolan. Out. It's taking a book from the Christopher Nolan, you know, hand, or page from the Christopher Nolan handbook for sure. Yeah. There's also a show that I would like to recommend. It's on, uh, it's on Netflix and uh, Amazon streaming right now called No Heroics. You guys ever seen it? No, I've no, heard of that. It's a British show. It's about these kind of superheroes in a singles bar. That's the best way I could describe it. It's <laughs> like they're they're superheroes, but they're like you know, they they you know they they have real problems and real jobs and and secret identities, and they all hang out in this bar together. Um, and it's it's this British show. I think there are only four or five episodes per season, but there are two seasons, um, and it's really funny. Um, it's called No Heroics, and uh, it, the, I've already told you enough. I, I don't want to tell too much, but it's it's really <laughs> it's a com- it's a superhero comedy um, based in a bar. It's kind of like half half Cheers, half Mystery Men. Gotcha. <laughs> I think superheroes are the new vampires. I think you're right. Yeah, like it seemed like for for years, right? Everything had a vampire in it, and then I guess we got. A good dose of zombies for a while there, and now uh, everything is superheroes. We should probably enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, westerns were real big for about fifteen or so years, and they've pretty much completely gone away. So, uh, speaking of, since we're kind of on that CW tip, uh, a show that's coming to an end, or I think actually just ended, is Nikita, and. 
so I thought, well, they've got the first, I guess it was, that was the fourth season of Nikita, I think. So they got the first. Yeah, fourth. Yeah, they got the first three seasons on Netflix. So I'm like, well, I've kind of burned through, I've, I've kind of burned through a bunch of other TV shows. I was looking for another TV show to pick up. So I thought I'd start watching it. And it's, it's pretty good. Um, it reminds me a lot of Arrow just in the the way they handle the fighting choreography it's it's a lot more brutal and a lot more physical and believable less uh less overly choreographed than than some of the other stuff we see like like arrow is uh, i mean not not that arrow's choreographed but it, but it, it follows that similar style uh it does and it does kind of bleed into that whole cw uh you know angsty you know love triangle kind of kind of stuff going on but not too bad. But um, but it's it's not a bad show. I mean, Maggie Q uh, does a good job. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I have uh, I've seen the first two seasons. I have to watch three, and I'm pretty sure four was an abbreviated season. Um, I was looking at the presale price of the discs that just hit like Amazon, you know, for the the presale for season four, and it's really cheap. So I'm thinking season four is like maybe a ten or an eight. Yeah, given you know, yeah, given the fact not that a full, not a full run. Yeah. But supposedly, yeah. But I, I liked it. Sorry, I keep stepping on you. No, it's okay. I, I mean, I'm a huge Maggie Q fan, and uh, I enjoyed what I've what I've seen so far. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I look forward to to kind of seeing more of that. So uh, hopefully, it hopefully it stays good. Supposedly, the I don't know anything about the ending, but supposedly, there folks see the 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 response to the ending seems pretty positive overall. Yeah. And I think it's a show that does a lot of, um, it does a lot of double crossing and the good guy was really the bad guy. And you know, it does a lot of that sort of thing. So apparently they pulled off a pretty good twist for the finale. It reminds me a lot of alias, like a lot. Yeah. Alias. But that's all. That's about all the TV. Like you said, John, it's kind of like a. This is kind of like the dead zone for TV until things kind of start up next week. So. Oh, I checked out a new show you might dig called The Assets. Uh, it was on ABC. It's based on Alder Chain. The story about Alder James in the '80s, the guy who like oh, sold Oh yeah, a bunch, yeah. The really inept spy who sold some secrets to the Russians in the '70s and '80s. Uh, it's a miniseries that just launched uh, the other night on ABC, so I'm sure it'll end up on Hulu. Uh, to, yeah, to I'll have to check probably. it out then. Um, it, it was pretty well done and pretty interesting. Pretty, I, I'm kind of familiar with the story because I read a book about the case or whatever um, not too long ago, a few years ago, and about how inept and, and just kind of stupid some of the things he did were um, and how he got incredibly, somehow he got away with it for years before anybody caught on at the CIA. Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty well done. I, I thought it was cool. Um, it just started up. When did the Americans come back? Soon. The end of the month. I think, yeah, yeah. It's the end of January. Yeah, the great show. Cool. Yeah. I didn't. I, I saw the first, I think, half of the first season. So I definitely need to catch up with that. Justified's going to be coming back soon. So that's good. Another. Oh, no, I know what we didn't talk about. I think. Jim, I think you even had it on your list of stuff to talk about. Um, was the 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 see we had the season finale, the penultimate season finale of uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Not not 
Not the best season overall, but the last three or four really kicked it into high yeah. gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's been a hell of a hell of a run. I mean, I guess what's the, what's it now? Season seven? That, that's the final season. Yeah, I think this one coming up is seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I remember when they. I remember after the fourth season, they signed it for seven. So yeah, it it should be the seventh and the final, and uh, could go anyway. Now, now yeah. it's like the whole you know game changing events really. Good stuff. Really good. Uh, really good run. Again, time flying, right? You know, seven. That show's yeah. been on seven seasons. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I don't know about you guys. That's all the BS I have. The only other thing I was going to add was I had. I feel like again, kind of like I said earlier. I feel like I'm living in 2012. Uh, Steam had their big winter sale. And I picked up a bunch of stuff, like, ridiculously cheap. I mean, like, stupid cheap. Um, I got Far Cry 3, which has been taking up a yeah. lot of my time. I love oh, Far Cry man. 3. Oh, man, what a great game. Great game. And Very the, underrated. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. really, really well done. Um, and then, of course, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which was actually released this year. Um, I think the both of them together I got for like 12 bucks or something like that. But Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is just the craziest, most insane, makes me laugh and smile the whole time I play it because it's just so soaked in 80s ridiculousness. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about that on the duties. Yes. Because uh, it's on my list for sure um, <laughs> yeah. for one of the best games of the year. But yeah, Far Cry 3 itself is just like just a great game. Oh yeah, beautiful. Very well done. But I, they, they had the game Just Cause and Just Cause Two, which I I listened to the Giant Bomb cast and those guys were they they had brought up I guess because the multiplayer mod came out and so they were talking about Just Cause Two. I watched some of the video. And it looks like it's got some crazy kind of moves with it, you know, first person shooter style or third person whatever. So I was like, ah, I picked that up. It was like ridiculously cheap. Um, Heroes of Might and Magic Six. Which again was another one that was like six fifty or something like that. It was really good. That one came out a couple of years back, um, and I'm a big fan of the heroes. It's like turn-based strategy uh, stuff, so I'm, I'm a big fan of those. Um, I picked up another, a couple other games that that, that um, like I said, I listened to Giant Bomb and those guys talk about a lot. Um, but Spelunky, The Swapper, Terraria, and uh, Torchlight Two. I played Tor I played Torchlight One and it was uh, like a Diablo clone. Um, yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. And I played the demo for the Swapper, but I didn't get to play the whole game. That was pretty bizarre. Yeah, it was like two fifty. I mean, it was like just stupid cheap. And Spelunky was the same way, which that game's frustrating as all get out. Um, because you get one life and and you got to go through all these dungeons, and if you die, you got to start all the way over again. Um, so it's kind of like Rogue Legacy, or you know, kind of falls in that Rogue category of game, I guess. And then I've been playing Walking Dead season two, which I think we're gonna, I think Aaron and I are gonna definitely talk about that on the next Walking Dead TV podcast. We didn't get to it last time, um, but the first ten minutes of that game will break your heart just as as much as any bit of the first season did. Um, and then The Wolf Among Us, which is the um, the Fables game, I've been playing that as well. I just started uh, playing that because they gave it away for free on Xbox Live. Yeah, and it's 
it's uh, I like it because the while the game, I mean, they're all those telltale uh, adventure type games, uh, and it in general it looks a lot. The style, overall style, looks a lot like The Walking Dead does or any of the other games, but the colors and the color palette, like The Walking Dead, is pretty muted. I mean, it's a lot of just kind of like ugly, you know, drab, and just kind of fits in that world. And you play the Wolf Among Us, which fits in the Fables world, and everything is just like incredibly vibrant and really bright colors. And um, I like the way they've kind of cleaned up the interface a little bit since the first season of The Walking Dead. Um, there, there's a little more actiony elements uh, to it, you know, where where it kind of not just hammering the Q key and then hitting the E key. You know, you got to kind of pay attention um, to slide. You know, you can kind of slide left and slide right and do do other kind of things. Uh, so I like that that it's it's kind of amped that up a bit, but uh, but yeah, the Steam Winter Sale was just uh, just like incredibly crazy, um, which will keep me probably busy, uh, probably past the the upcoming summer sale. I mean, I'm sure when the summer sale comes up in June or July or whenever it is, I'll be going, wow, I haven't gotten through half these games that I bought in the Winter Sale, but they're so cheap, it's like you can't you can't pass them up. It's like when you're looking, oh, I got the Bioshock bundle it was like 14.99 it's like how do i pass up bioshock bioshock 2 and bioshock infinite for 15 dollars? like how do you how do you pass that up i know gog.com you know great old games they had a whole bunch of great deals too over christmas uh, i got fallout 2 and fallout tactics for free uh, i got torchlight the like i said for like two bucks or something and they have a lot of great games there too a lot of great deals it's hard you like it's like you said it's like how do you pass it up for that price i mean yeah, it's like you spend 30 bucks and you've got like 12 games or something, you know, ridiculous like that. Probably the only problem I'm having with switching to Mac is it's very limited on Steam what's available for Mac. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the only like regret, you know, I'm probably better off cuz I really don't need another way to play video games. <laughs> but uh yeah, I can't get a lot of the Steam stuff on Mac. I really wanted to play DayZ. Oh yeah. The yeah. uh the Arma 2 mod that now became its own thing. Uh that looks really cool, but uh they don't have it for Mac. Yeah, they were talking about a new version of DayZ on uh, the Giant Bomb where you start out in that game uh totally naked. Like, <laughs> you know, no provisions, no weapon, no clothes, nothing. And like you have to they have to coordinate with other people around the globe, like to watch their stuff, or else people yeah, will come and, and, and troll them and take all their stuff away. Yeah, yeah, you get robbed. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I was reading an article today about these gangs of people that like rob other players, and like you know, you don't. I guess you don't want to get killed. It's not just like you respawn. You know, it sucks to get killed. Right. So they like take you hostage and like make you fight other players and stuff. It's like The Walking Dead. Speaking <laughs> of good zombie games, I just wanted to shout out on this game called State of Decay um, that I got on Xbox Live when it was on sale for like I don't know, I think it was eight bucks or something. Um, it was really cool because it wasn't all about like just chopping up zombies. You had to like allocate resources and you had to go out and find food. And find wood you know, to, to like you know fortify your house, and you know find a good house to fortify to begin with. You had to make alliances with your neighbors and, and do jobs with them. Um, it was it was kind of a cool take on the you know zombie game that we haven't really seen before. It was a little more um, 
strategy oriented, like actual survival strategy, like you know the stuff you you probably have to think of every day. You know where you're going to find clean water, or where you're going to find food. You know one of your group, one of the people in your group needs uh, medicine. Um, you know, is this you know, do I do I get the house that's high up on the hill so I can see zombies coming, or do I you know fortify a basement so that they'll just walk by and not notice you? You know, there are all these different options in the game. Um, it was, I mean, the graphics were a little rough, but I mean the the heart of the game was really interesting and cool and something I really hadn't seen in a zombie game before. But, I mean, you guys were talking about what you got for Christmas. Um, I got Assassin's Creed Black Flag for Christmas. And it is nice. the best pirate video game I've ever played. Um, you get a ship of your own that you can upgrade and take on other ships at sea with. And uh, even on the 360, the graphics are really nice. Um, I, and I was really kind of disappointed by Assassin's Creed 3. So I was hesitant to, uh, to pick this up, but... You know, when I got it for uh, under from under the tree, uh, I you know I popped it in, and it's almost except for the combat, it's very not Assassin's Creedy at all. Um, you do assassination missions and stuff, but it's definitely more of a pirate game. I don't know, super fun. That cool. yeah, it's cool. It was an, it was a nice reimagining. Yeah, I, kind of, I think it kind of needed it after three. Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of people weren't too happy with that game, myself included. I was kind of kind of kind of bored with it. I didn't want to finish it. Um, just kind of the same old, same old with a new skin on it. This was a lot, this is a lot different. This is like a whole, seems like a whole new game from the ground up. And it, even if it didn't have the Assassin's Creed name on it, it would still be a really fun pirate game. Um, you know, sailing from island to island looking for booty. Oh, yeah. And I got XCOM, I got XCOM Enemy Within for Christmas, so... Uh, once again, I named my squad after you guys, so I'll let you know when you're dead. Um, oh, nice. It was funny. My wife was the one who was like the only one who made it all the way through to the final squad last time. Uh, I had a sniper named after her, <laughs> and she that's was funny. just like dead aimed all the time. Great sniper. So. Cool. That's all the BS I had. I'm glad we got some of this BS out of the way before we get to the BS of the duties. Yes, yeah. the duties. Yes. The whole... What are we looking at? Sixth annual? Seventh annual? Sixth annual? What I think is this? sixth, yeah. I think, I think we'll be doing another not necessarily the duties here really quick uh, to talk about the stuff that that we all kind of feel feel passionate about but didn't make the, the final cut. And speaking of upcoming shows, I have, watched, I have now watched the Corman Fantastic Four. I am ready for the Real Heroes episode. Uh, I need to do it. I need, still need to do it. I still need to. I've 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 almost finished the edit of uh, of Cowboys and Aliens. I know I keep saying that every show. Um, <laughs> it's like the preacher of real heroes. It's like the preacher. Yeah, except we of actually heroes. recorded it. Yeah, it's just it's just we just had a really bad audio issue that I I, I uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to do my best with it, um, but. Uh, so hopefully that'll go up here pretty quick. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the Corman Fantastic Four. I think that'll that'll be a fun one to to talk about. Oh yeah, it'll be a real hoot. All right, thanks everyone for listening to Really BS, the really big show. Um, you can check out all of our cool podcasts, all kinds of shows that we got going on. It seems like every time we turn around, there's another podcast popping up um, at hhwlod.com. Check out our Facebook group. Um, at HHWLED, where you'll get all of the announcements every time a new show comes up. It'll be tweeted out. It'll be Facebooked out. Uh, the Twitter account is 
HHWLOD underscore network. Uh, so please follow us there. Uh, give us some iTunes reviews. You can look at Really BS or any of the other shows on iTunes. Uh, if you just type HHWLOD in iTunes, uh, as a matter of fact, all of the shows will pop right up, which is awesome. Um, so leave us some iTunes reviews. We'd be happy uh, to receive those and, and get the show some more recognition. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at the main voicemail line at 972-798-3830. Just let them know you're leaving a voicemail for Really BS, and we'd be happy to play that in a future show. So until next month when we have more BS, uh, this is Russ, Jim, and John signing off. Yeah. Remember, BS is America's most renewable resource. And plentiful. <laughs>